0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Bombas absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/ slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm going to tell you about the rags of riches story that I've been through. I've worked one full-time job, which was £8.41 pence per hour, uh it was 9:30 to 6:30 so not even like an 8 hour shift but more like a 9 hour shift yeah this video i'm going to caption it like i'm going to title this video as fte and fte stands for fuck this events the author mj demarco spoke about this in his book the millionaire fast lane and then also in his second book your your fte Is a certain moment of your life where things are so bad, you're so fucking down bad, that it's like the last straw before you go ahead and make some drastic changes. And I think most people who are watching this video have had an FTE or may perhaps be going through theirs right now. Before I even tell you my story, that really reminds me. To just give you that important message that you should feel very grateful to go through this. Like it's it's incredibly painful. There's so much suffering at a moment like this in your life. But that suffering brings growth. So let me set the scene. I'm 21, 22 years old. And I'm just finishing university, so I'm in the third year of university. I'm studying psychology in Manchester in UK. And my so I should even go backwards a little bit more actually. So you know my sort of early upbringing, kind of abusive household, playing video games, a little nerd, and everything. And then age seventeen, started weightlifting, and it took me like a few years to actually become like social and confident and start learning to speak to girls and make new friends. Age 18 is like when I started going out to like parties and clubs just about and like that was the first time where I was actually beginning to like kiss girls but it had it didn't really progress after that. Age 19 is when like I got my first girlfriend and I started my fuckboy phase and this is when I moved into university. And life is just so incredibly different because for the past two years since age 17 to 19 I've been working on social skills, weightlifting, confidence and everything And you know, whilst I'm living at home, it almost feels a little bit repressed The moment then when I'm 19 and I move out to university, I move into student accommodation Life is just so, so different Like imagine living with like a pretty overbearing and abusive family And then suddenly you're like, technically like an adult, you're living amongst your other young adults. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You can take drugs, you can go out, you can have sex and everything. And so that was my experience for the first year. And then the second year of university was that first year just amplified. Where now I've had like a full 12 months of experience, like going out there, being more confident. And I truly, whilst other people were thinking about like studying and everything, like, I truly focused on leveling up in that sort of like confident party environment. So I got pretty good at it in my second year of university. Made a lot of like friends, like we know that they're not friends, but like at that time I thought they were like, made a lot of friends, met a lot of girls. And then um, about halfway through the second year of university is when like I started getting feelings for a girl, started getting like more lazy, started eating more junk food, skipping days from the gym and you know, all the bad habits that come. And... The third year of university is very interesting because I just had the most confidence, the most exciting times of my life. And in the third year of university, I think the major sort of mistake was that me and my friend, we moved from the student city. Like we were right in the middle of the city. We moved from there to like three, four miles away to a place where like adults lived. And we had like a really really fancy like really nice apartment it's still like a place where i'll go somewhat frequently like every couple of months on like a date and stuff even now because it's like it's such a fancy area but it's like it wasn't for students and it was so far away and you had to take like a 40 minute tram to get to university so we just started skipping lectures and um from that moment more loneliness kicks in have like less social experiences go out still go out but like it was it became so much more negative where it was like it was a lot less about like partying and it was more entirely focused on like just getting drunk as fuck and then just like harassing white girls and started smoking weed at this point as well so this is my third year of university started smoking weed started smoking like every single day and about halfway through this year or even a little bit more about eight months or so um no about halfway through the the university year is when me and the guy i was living with my best friend like we fell out we hated each other and everything we had like big arguments and so then i took all my stuff and i moved in with the girl that i had been seeing like all this time and that relationship was pretty toxic but i moved in with her and it was like it was nothing but like joy and like connection for the first while because you know it was so exciting that oh my god we're living together and everything and obviously things deteriorated after that so i finished university i'm struggling and everything i'm literally i'm working like a a part-time job and i'm still trying to do like my dissertation and everything and so once i submit the dissertation which is kind of like the last project of university you've pretty much just finished and you just wait for your results and um you know no no actually no that's not right um so i submitted that shit, and then a month two months later i got my results and i technically failed and i was allowed to reset a couple of assignments and so i did those so i was like resetting a couple of assignments and then after submitting them they was just waiting for the results that would come in like one or two months or something that's when i went to thailand with the girl that i was staying with and then when i came back i still remember this feeling that i had experienced the extreme like high and low of life over the last 12 months like i literally felt obviously i yeah, like you know i had degenerate values and everything but in terms of my own enjoyment in my second year of university it was like everything i ever wanted imagine you know you've grown up as that little, little fucking video gamer and you've watched so many videos of like body transformation and you know are oh, like and you know the people in the body transformation videos it's always the same story of like some guy who used to play video games but now he doesn't and now girls hold eye contact with him oh my god like And when you experience that for yourself, it like, it's hype as hell. Of course, looking back now, I know that that was never really like a great goal to be focused on. It wasn't like fulfilling or anything and it heavily involved instant gratification, low quality people, but at least in terms of my own sort of perception of enjoyment and stuff, it was up there. And um, so I was experienced, like I was really, really thinking about this, that difference of life, couldn't believe like how different life was in just the space of just 12 months and how low life was that when I was coming back from Thailand and my results were ready to look at, to see whether I graduated or I failed from university. I truly, truly hoped that I had failed. So that I could just repeat another year of uni with the sole intention to really replicate how university was in the first and second year. Where, like, I was literally thinking, okay, I'll move back to the same building that I used to live in and I'll join this sports club and I'll do all this, I'll be so good. And I passed. I passed, I graduated, and overnight, I went from being like a dumbass student who's, you know, kind of like living life and everything to just unemployed. And if you haven't felt that transition yet, it's it's very, very profound. If you're still in the education system, like if you're unemployed, like if you don't have a job, it's like, it doesn't really mean much because you're a student. But the moment that you're out of the education system and then you don't have a purpose, you don't have a job, you don't have a career, you get hit with this like existential crisis. And... It instantly, like, knocked my confidence. So then I'm beginning to look for jobs. And because I had done so bad on my assignments and everything, I graduated with what's called a third-class honours, which literally just means, like, you're a dumbass, but you just about passed. And so any jobs, any good-quality jobs that were related to psychology, I could not qualify for them because you need to get, like, a first or, you know, you have to get quite a high grade for that. So essentially, I had, like the boasting rights of saying that I have a degree but it didn't really mean anything in the places that you did want to use it it just kind of impressed like sometimes I'd go to like shitty job interviews and it kind of impressed like you know some 46 year old woman who's like trying to hire me to be like a receptionist and if I say like oh yeah I'm educated to a degree level it kind of sounds impressive but it's like you get what I mean so I'm beginning to look for jobs now because I'm living, still living in the city. And no, you know what? In fact, after, so at this point, this is actually when I moved back home for like five days. So I grabbed my stuff. And, you know, I felt like it was just pointless being in Manchester. So I grabbed my stuff, moved back home with this idea okay, well, I won't have like, expenses and I can focus on like business or something. You know, I'd been reading like the four hour work week and everything. And I just experienced life in Thailand. So that really was that big sort of awareness that, oh my God, you know, if I was making money online, then I could live here and, you know, live like a king and everything. And so I moved back home and I remember it just being like so incredibly lonely and isolating here. So this was even before COVID, but I moved back and things were like weirdly like the same and like, nothing had happened like i i had experienced so much life-changing experiences and i moved back and it just felt like no one had really done anything here like in my entire city of course that's like my sort of false perception i'm sure people made progress and everything but it, it felt like everyone was just roughly the same and it was just very very unexciting my family as well hadn't like changed at all at this point they were still like the same level of like Friction and abuse and I was still the same person so of course like it was revolving around me and everything I wasn't grateful. I hadn't been through self-improvement at this point So I remember it was literally just a couple of days in I remember I I, I would just keep breaking out crying Because I had that huge detachment from the girl that I was dating in Manchester and of course like it It's technically like 25 minutes away like 30 minutes away. So it's not like it's not like long distance technically but At the time, I was, like, very, very insecure. I probably still am now. And so I had this thing that, like, I would only really date a girl seriously if, like, we were going to live together because I wanted to, like, keep an eye on her and make sure she's not fucking. And, like, I couldn't trust her to, like, you know, to not live with each other. Plus it also, 100%, even when I look back now, it's like the girl wasn't trustworthy at all either. So it's like it it was just kind of in my mind, yeah, of course, like, we're not together anymore. And so I'm back home. I'm crying about the detachment. And... I remember there was just little bits of friction of being at home which I just I hated so much So this was really when like my life started going downhill which um, I blamed on other people so I blamed it really on my family and everything It was like the smallest inconveniences of like living at home and like oh it's too cold And it's like you know when you live in your own apartment it's like you get to control the heating and everything But you don't in like an Asian household you don't use heating (laughs) That's why I'm always wearing a fucking hoodie man (laughs) No, I'm taking the piss because I think it's actually... That's oh, not even on right now. It's kind of hot today though. <coughs> I remember there was like an argument and this was actually what caused me to leave and it was, it was quite brutal as well. So it was on like my fifth day back home and I just obviously like I wasn't... I didn't have good mental health or anything. I was technically still like addicted to weed even though i moved back home and like for five days i didn't even think about it but i still definitely had like withdrawals and everything and i didn't really tell anyone but i already had decided to just go back because i didn't like it here and so you know i like decided to get all my stuff and move back and i didn't tell anyone till literally the point when like i was packing my stuff and so of course like look at looking back at this now like everyone was like worried and wait what are you doing you just came home and you know my mom hadn't seen me for so long she starts getting cry, like she starts crying and everything they're asking me like wait did I have like an argument with my brother what's going on and I'm just kind of like brushing them off because conversations like that were just too hard for me to have like you know these sort of family conversations where you have to explain yourself and I think that really relates to that feeling like when I have previously explained myself, like, you know, being in situations where I've had to explain myself to my family, it's always been related to like abuse and straight after saying something, I get hit in the face or something. So it really felt like I, I was unable to have that conversation. And things just really escalated. And I remember just being sat here on, on my bed and like my dad was like physically holding me down and like, it was like making me like just panic. It was just fucking weird. My sister starts crying. My mom's like screaming. I'm like saying like, I start swearing at my dad and everything. And it's just it's just fucking like, it was such a horrible time. I remember that like I was bursting into tears. I just ran downstairs, grabbed one bag, like nothing else. Just grabbed one bag, and literally just ordered an Uber and just like that for down the road. And so I like I left and just walked down the road and, and didn't see my family for an entire year after that. I think that was twenty nineteen. So after that that day, I got in or oh, in that day, like I got into the Uber on the way back to manchester just text the girl that oh like i'm coming back and i blocked all of my family on everything i think i left like my brother or my sister or something so that they could come and like bring more stuff for me and then after that i eventually blocked him as well and i didn't speak to anyone for like an entire year after that up until like covid was really really kicking off About a year, yeah, probably about nine months now that I think about it, because that, that would have been about July, and I think I started speaking to everyone about, like, April. So about nine months or something. Go back to Manchester fully, like, okay, that's where I'm living. I remember literally saying to the girl, like, I don't have a family anymore. And of course, she was, like, really kind of warm and emotional about it, and supportive, but uh, that's when my life really became real for me and it's hard for me to even recollect what that period of my life was like because it was just so incredibly like dark days and I was just high all the time but I remember just constantly just searching for jobs and so I moved back and I was unemployed for like one and a half months, two months and that really like fucked up my confidence because before this It was only for like small part-time jobs that I had through like university and stuff. But every single job that I had had went to an interview for, I got that job there and then in the interview. So that's that's always been normal for me because I've got like a nice like personality, I, I can speak. And of course, I always applied for jobs which weren't like so great or anything that like the interviewer would literally give me the job there and then. And that didn't happen for so long. So I literally, I went to like maybe 10, 15, 20 interviews. Imagine like you're literally waking up and you're going on fucking Indeed, like that shitty website Indeed where you just see all the shittest jobs and you're just sending you like your shitty CV to like apply for these jobs that feel like they're below you. And I'm just applying for like 10, 20, 30 jobs a day and going for these interviews where you have to like get ready and then you can either, I remember it was always like this stressful thing of like, okay, if I'm going to go to the interview. I can either get public transport there and it won't cost much. It'll cost like a few pounds, but then it will fuck up my mental space because I have anxiety and like PTSD when I get on public transport, and it just takes longer as well, so you lose more time. Or I can just get an Uber there, but it'll cost like twenty, twenty-five pounds, and it's like that's money that like I can't afford to spend. And so I just remember this entire like period of my life just being so fucking stressful because like, this was like the only time of my life where I truly like I felt broke, broke, and. What's interesting is, like, I still had money for weed and, like, snacks and shit, but it just shows you, like, a level of priorities when your values are all fucked up. Interview after interview, like, low-tier jobs, literally jobs which are 15, 16, 17,000 a year. The type of jobs that you can get, like, out of high school, never mind, out of university. I know that technically, like, doesn't really count if you say that you went to university but you got a third, but you get what I mean. (laughs) And so... I. All this time, this is when my mental health really, really started going bad. And this is when I really, really started to get bad highs when I would smoke. So that had been happening somewhat like for the last couple of months. But this is when it got incredibly bad. Because I was addicted to smoking weed. And people say weed isn't addictive. They can shut the fuck up because it absolutely is. If you think weed's not addictive, if you think weed's not a drug, you're a fucking dumbass. Um, I would be smoking every single day. And it was only when I would begin smoking that I would get these sort of introspective negative thoughts of where I was in life and it would be literally like a curse. It would be like, it hit me. I was like, oh, fuck it. Like, I forgot about the negative thoughts and I've got to sit around for like an hour or two up until like I'm not high anymore so that they go away. And so it's like, I'm smoking. We're watching TV or some bullshit and it, I can't watch. I can't stay focused. Like in my mind, I'm all I'm thinking is you're a fucking loser. Why are you sat here right now? You should be doing work. But like, but you're high, you can't do work so you're just gonna have to wait and like, Oh, don't eat the snacks. Like, I know it feels, so, I know they taste so good, but your body's fucking trash right now. You gained like 20 pounds over the last year. Stop eating shit. <laughs> and when that was really a big cause of, of the pain as well, when your body transformation means a lot to you and you fucked it up because you've just got a shit diet, you've got a shit mental health, you're eating like junk food and sugar and you're not like tracking calories or anything you go going to the gym three times a week instead of like six and you see your physique deteriorate in front of you it's so incredibly painful like if you can really relate there's a difference between you know being so busy with something that's your priority like work or something and you know your physique's not really making progress or so you get a little bit weaker to like almost purposely fucking up your physique but like not really wanting to so every day seeing the scale go up seeing like your body fat percentage increase your arms get smaller but your stomach get bigger and thinking like oh my god this is so shit." okay i'm gonna go hit like a big workout today and everything and then just finding yourself like "Fuck, i smoked weed now i can't really go today and i've got the munchies and that's day in day out day in day out so i go to a bunch of interviews doesn't really go well and you know in fact i just drove to manchester with a couple of my friends we were all going rock climbing like a week ago and we drove in this particular place where this like particular road where it was it was so weird like on the drive there it was literally like a trip down memory lane where we drove past like every place that i had lived every place that i had worked it was like actually crazy how we just randomly went past like so many different places and we like drove past a bunch of places where I had interviews. And so I was pointing out to everyone's, like, oh, I applied for a job there, it was trash. And what went, I used to live there and everything. It was like all over Manchester. And, and then it, it's so weird because I started then making some progress in my physique, so I started like waking up earlier. That was really the big thing for me. I started waking up early and I would be somewhat sleep deprived, but when I would wake up at five, and even still to this day, when I wake up at five, it's like that's the best thing for me by far. I'm just productive as fuck. It's pitch black outside. I would put my gym clothes on, I would literally run to the gym in the pitch black, just with like negative thoughts in my mind and shit. Just like run to the gym, beast out a workout, come back be fasting and everything straight after that usually i wouldn't be so productive like i remember i would maybe do like some meditation or something this was when i first started discovering some self-improvements but most of the day afterwards would be just eating shit and everything but just because i got into that routine of waking up early i started to make some progress in my physique and i remember that was really like it really upped my confidence again and it's so convenient that that same time was when then I went to like three interviews over like two days and all three offered me the job. So I remember there was a point where like, okay, so I've just been to like 15 interviews, didn't get like a single one, didn't get any offers, didn't even hear back from most of the motherfuckers. And then in the space of like 24 hours, I've got three offers that I've got to respond to. So every time they called me, like, you know, one of the companies called me saying, oh, you know, we really liked you. Would you like to work for us? So I'd be like, yeah, yeah, dude, you know, awesome. Yeah, I will do. Put the phone down, 20 minutes later, I get another call. Like, oh yeah, from a different country company. And I said yes to them. An hour later, some other company called me. I said yes to them, so i said yes to three three companies, and so I like I made like a little document in front of me saying like which one should I choose. And I remember still to obviously I'm grateful for how all this happened, but I remember still to this day I made the wrong choice here. I um the the jobs that I could have taken those three jobs. One was with the NHS as a receptionist, and that was like it was only really gonna be. Good because it's like oh you're working for the NHS like you know there's a level of credibility that comes from it but it was the lowest pay it was like fifteen thousand a year and it was pretty far away. The second was with a. Company of like car financing, and you'd be working in the complaints department. And so I had just about started like, no, I had started previously, but I wasn't really working on it much. But like the business of like um, on eBay, like flipping clothes and everything. And so I remember thinking, like, oh, like you know, complaints department. I could learn about how to handle complaints. That would really help my business Like, like if it's a low tier job, don't you fucking think that you're gonna get anything else other than just like the bit shitty ass wage that you've been offered? Don't think that like, oh my god, you know, the NHS is really credible or like, oh, it's a complaint. Oh, maybe I'll learn. So shut the fuck up, bro. No, you won't but that was like my, my mindset with it and it's like the way that they described the company it was like oh you know national company and everything so it sounded like really good and I'd been to the interview there people were nice the office was nice it was pretty far away but then it also had a gym inside of the office so I thought like oh you know like it's the commute is long but like I'll get the gym and work done at the same time and then the final place which is the one that I should have taken was the one that was closest the one that was just slightly under for the wage, then the... So the NHS receptionist was 15,000. The complaints department was 17.5K. And this third one was 17,000. And this third job was like admin or something. And it was the one that was closest and it actually had the least work hours, but I wasn't really thinking about this. So I didn't consider that like... I would have saved about two hours a day if I went to this one and I chose this one because of this idea that, oh, but it, you know, it's like five, 500 pounds more a year, like shut the fuck up, bro. Like It was two hours more, a, two hours like saved a day if I chose the third option and I'm not going to lie, I went to the interview for this third place and it was like, it was like it was run by like young people, there was only young people, they were having some kind of like lunch party or something when I got there and like it was, everyone was really nice. One of the girls there like liked me, and like I fully was visualizing, bro. Like obviously, like I'm trying not to be degenerate, but at the time I really was. And I remember just kept on thinking, like, bro, if I work in this place, I'm gonna end up like fucking that girl, and like it would be kind of like sick to have that experience. But I chose like the more mature option of thinking, like, oh, you know, a national company, and I'll get to learn about completion. I'm like, Fuck up, bro. And so I chose the job that was like the hours were nine thirty to six thirty instead of the job that was like nine to five, and it was like half the length of the commute, something like that. And so, so accepted the the job in the middle, the complaints department one, and I started working straight away. But then this was also when then I started applying for the RAF, and I went through the process of that. So I was literally enlist like enlisting into the military at this point. So because I didn't want to like stay in this job, obviously, like I just wanted a job. Like the, I actually yeah, I should have explained this. Like through all this time, I was going through the application for the RAF to be a physical training instructor in the air force. And I was applying for all these jobs with this idea, like, okay, let me apply for like you know the first jobs that I can get so that I can make, keep making money right now. And in like six months from now, nine months from now, I'll be like fully like part of the military. So that was the idea. I didn't really tell the people like, you know, when I was going to interviews, I was joining the RAF because I don't want them to think like I'd be just temporary or something. But as soon as I started, I kind of told them and they were nothing but nice and like accommodating for it. So I told them like, there'll be some random days where I've got to go for like assessments and medical checks and everything. And they were fine with that. But I'm working this job and I still remember this like level of gratitude that I had f- like for being there because you know I just worked like I-, I just struggled to get a job and everything and the people that I was working around were very nice and they were like I remember the girl who worked alongside me like we both had like the same task still to this day like bro I- like, I've got so much respect and love for her because like she made, fully made me feel welcome and even like two months later when i actually left the job like she gave me like a massive like bag of like my like I mentioned my favorite chocolates like on one of, one of the first days that we were there like it was just like a small conversation she gave me like a massive bag of like you know kinder hippos and kinder chocolates like kinder buenos and everything like some wine or something like in an entire bag and it's like that's so incredibly nice because I've never really had someone do like a gesture like that for me before. So the people I worked with were nice. The actual job task was just fucking bullshit. It was like, it wasn't even like really, I worked in the complaints department, but I wasn't like anything to do with complaints. It was like, I was literally just a call handler which is pretty much just the job that like should be automated but it wasn't so i pick up the phone they'd be like oh you know my car's broke down and I'd look on their their profile and it'd be like that they, they are the customer of like this guy in my in my department so i would just like transfer the call over to him that was it and so if that guy was busy this is where the stress would kick in because if that guy was currently on a call i'd have to tell this customer oh like oh like they're on a call right now uh and you have to follow these all like weird procedures where it's like oh i can i can set up a call back so you know a reminder for the managers to call Call you, but it can be up to 48 hours, and so everyone would start screaming, We have 48 hours, bro. Like my car's broke down, I need help right now. You know, all this bullshit, and you're taking all this. Fucking dead, bro. And so then my day in the life, this is I've wrote this in a comment just recently. My day in the life, then was that I would wake up at about 5 a.m., 5:30, and you Know, get ready, get everything ready, and then I'd take the tram first thing in the morning, like 6 a.m. I would be on the tram, there would be no one else on the tram at this point, so I was literally usually like there would be no, like sometimes there's like one or two people, but like most of the time it would be a completely empty tram, which is like it's kind of nice in a sense, but it also has like this weird, like eerie feeling where you're going through the city and like the city's fucking quiet and like you're. you're Kind of like the only person who's fucking awake. Who's like on the way to work right now. Because everyone works at 9. So they wake up at like 7 or something. I was waking up at 5. Just so I had enough time to get to the gym. uh, To get to the office early. Do like a full length workout. Get changed. Showered and everything. And then go up in time. So. Take the tram there. And even though there was no one on there. I remember I always did have like a sense of anxiety. Specifically because there was no one. Because I always feared like. Well now I, I don't have. Hood safety. If someone walks into this tram right now and they want to hurt me, like there isn't, there isn't like, you know, loads of people to like kind of body block or anything. And I, I was filled with so much anxiety during all this point because two years previous, I someone said I was lying about this as well. That really pissed me off, man. Because it's like this pr- like you can just fucking search, fuck Sylvester Stallone. It, it sounds like Stallone, it sounds like the um, no, Sylvester Solocky. Stallone is like the fuck Stallone is the um actor, isn't it? Sylvester Stallone on Warrington News, just like you can literally see like a mugshot the guy who tried to fucking like start on me, bro. And he he was jailed for one and a half years. He had a fucking 11 inch knife on him. You've got to understand, I know it's a side rant which you expect on labs and unfinted channels, but like bro, I, I don't tell lies on fucking YouTube, bro. If I've told you about like like some dark shit I don't say a single lie. That like I've seen people talk about it online, online, and they're like, "Oh well, it's it's uh, unfalsifiable." So like, you know, some bullshit. Shut the fuck up, bro. The- you can say a lot of things about me, but one of them you can never say is that I'm a liar. Like, one of the things you have to credit me for is that I am brutally and totally honest and authentic. I've proven that. But yeah, so that that's really where a lot of my PTSD came from in terms of like public transport. I- of course, I've had like complex ptsd in terms of like childhood abuse and everything but that's specifically in terms of public transport and so that was always fucking stressful like you can see i'm building up the picture because like I, I was looking at the time of the recording i was like wait this is like 25 minutes like I, f- I feel like i'm just going into too much detail but i think it's really important to really build up the picture of of my life so that you can kind of experience the same level that i did because of course you know i was living this every single day so me just making like a 10 minute video explaining something doesn't really do it just this And yeah, so uh, taking the tram there and then get off the tram there and it'll be like 6.30 or something. Still like just about some light. So it was literally pitch black at this time, like fully pitch black. So imagine I wake up, I commute to work in pitch black. I'm in the office all all day when it's like sunny and I come home 6.30 when it's pitch black. I would see no fucking sunlight. That's when I first started actually taking vitamin D as well, which I guess I'm grateful for. because I still, I take it every single morning now. But that was so fucking depressing, not seeing any sun. <laughs> I get to the office, start working out. There's usually like two people in the gym that morning as well, and then um, do the shift. Hear people screaming at me, blaming it on me, and everything that like the cars broke down, that they need help or whatever, and you know, trying to like help them or trying to like send their call over to like the complaints handler who does, who deals with their case or anything. Finish at six thirty, get home at like seven, some bullshit like that, even a bit later. And pretty much have enough time for, like, one hour or two hours of just, like, fucking around, just smoking weed, eating shit, ordering food, and then just going to bed. Either that. And this was always the thing that was so depressing. is like, either you kind of end the day off fast as fuck, or you kind of extend it because you want more enjoyment in the day and you want to do something, like, a little bit more. You want to watch a movie or something. Whilst having this dark thought in the back of your mind, like, oh, fuck, well, now I'm not going to get enough sleep, so I'm going to be sleepy tomorrow. Like, I hope, like... I hope like my alarm doesn't wake me up in a sense. Like that dark feeling that you have when you're going to sleep and you know, you're going to be sleep deprived that you're not going to get enough sleep. And you're just thinking like, I don't like, not even in a suicidal way, but just like, I just don't want to wake up tomorrow. Like it it wasn't that I wanted to kill myself, but it was just that I didn't want to live the life that I had. And once you're in that position, this is what a lot of young guys need to really know is like, once you're in the position when like, you need that money, you need that job it's so incredibly hard to break out. And this is like, I am so, so grateful that I had this this random thought that occurred to me. I think it was really about the four hour work week, but um, it was a mix of the four hour work week and maybe a sense of minimalism where I realized that I remember once I had this rationalization, I thought, okay, you know what? I just want to quit this job and like, I'll just fucking like, I'll just see what I can do. Maybe the, the selling on eBay will make just about enough for me to live like a proper minimalist life or something. I had bills and rent and stuff to pay. But then I thought, oh, you know, actually, you know what, though? Because if I work, then I'll have enough money to, like, keep getting weed and, like, food deliveries and stuff. But then I realised, like, if you're working to spend that money, the only thing that you've gotten... Like everything disappears. Does that make sense? Like imagine you work for an entire month Monday to Friday, and you work and you don't really end up saving any money. you don't end up investing any money. You don't end up with like you know a month progress towards the skill that you wanted to develop. So of course you know if you've got a great career and it's an extra month on your track record far enough, but if it's a career that you don't want and it's a career like it's a job that you're just doing for money, but then you spend that money because you hate your life whilst working that job. That's such a vicious cycle. And I saw so many people, it's it's kind of like lifestyle inflation. You inflate your lifestyle when you have more money to kind of make up for the fact that you're working a shit job that you don't like so that when you finish work, you can get like some little bouts of pleasure by smoking, like, you know, taking drugs, smoking weed. This is why everyone goes out on like Friday, Saturday, spends a hundred pounds on the weekend, buys all these clothes, buys like a shitty car that they can't even afford. Or like, no, it's a nice car, but they can't afford it. They have to get it on finance and everything. All of that just so they can continue living the same life with an extra sense of like materialism or, or consumerism. I remember it was actually one of my co-workers who put this into my mind and she didn't mean to because she was one of these girls and no offense to her this was this wasn't the girl who you know got me the gift bag of chocolates this was another one and she was really nice but no offense to her at all but I really thought fuck I hope I don't become like her. She had been working in that job for like a couple of years and I remember, like, she didn't like it. She would often, like, just burst out crying that she didn't like her life and everything. She didn't like working there. She didn't get, like, treated so nicely and everything. But I just remember her showing me her phone and it was, like, a picture of a car. And she was like, oh, that's my baby. Like, that's the reason why I'm in this shit hole. And the kind of, like, the, the story behind it is, like, she was able to afford like, at this nice fancy car or something because she worked this job and was saving up. And it, it just blew my mind to think, like you hate your life Monday to Friday, nine to five, or even if we include commuting and getting ready, you hate your life Monday to Friday, seven to seven, so that you can have a car for the other times, but it's like, so that you can have a car to, so you can drive to the job that you hate. This is when I really started to like get that idea of like, like minimalism and almost that level of like, um, It it kind of strikes me as something like, like a Buddhist mindset of this idea of like, how about we strip all these desires away because we work this much so that we can buy this much. What if we just annihilate both of them? And this is when like the four hour work week to me, I didn't realize the four hour work week was a play on words. Like it's supposed to just mean like, oh, you know, it's like it's a, it's a play on words for the 40 hour work week. It's not technically supposed to be four hours because that's like really unrealistic. You know, if you've ever seen a review of the four hours and it's always like some ignorant dumbass who's seen the title and judged the book by its cover. And say, like, oh, but the four hour work week, I, I couldn't work four hours. That's impossible and stuff like I was naive enough to think that that was literally the goal of this lifestyle. So then I, that was what I thought. OK, well, I want to work four hours a week. So then I thought, literally, like, bring both of those down. It was at that point, to be honest, it wasn't really at that point where I started taking real action on this, but it was, like, you know, where the mindset started developing. The 4-Hour work week became real for me just, like, a year after that, a year and a half after that. Just pretty quick turnaround, especially when you spent most of that year just smoking weed and just fucking around and stuff. (laughs) But a lot of, like, a lot of, like, the influences... Oh, a lot of the decisions i was making and the mindsets i had at the time were coming from books like the four-hour work week, because i just realized like there isn't an other side to life that no one's understanding that if you're in the position that i was during my fte of this this period of like just dark fucking hating my life and everything do you want to understand like you might right now your brain might disagree because you're so certain that your perception of the world is right but that makes you fucking like egotistical because of course this like a different 7 billion different perceptions of like the world and your situation you've got to understand like there is a possibility that you'll be able to just drastically lower the thing that's making you upset the reason why you haven't been able to do that is because you've used the rewards of let's say the work or the studies or anything to like keep you in that same loop it is literally just lifestyle inflation you're just For me, it was like working a job that I didn't like so that I had money to spend on weed and like to spend living in the city So that I could keep going to work So this is when it became really clear to me I wish I took action on this sooner and I'm kind of grateful that I didn't because of the learning lessons that I got But this was when it was clear to me that like the ultimate thing for me would be to move back home And just not have a job and spend all day on like I used to call them projects so at the time, I was just about doing some, like, quick, like, pretty bullshit stuff of, like, you know, writing ebooks and everything. But um, I remember that that was, like, the ultimate thing that I could do. Move back home, no expenses, no income. Essentially, like, you know, like, the unemployed guy who's living with his, with his family. But it's, like, I knew that it would kind of work. I delayed doing that for, like, nine months because of that level of ego where, like, you know, I didn't want to move back because I don't want to... It was a level of ego because of, like... Um, self-image but it was also because like you know my family weren't like very nice or anything either so um but yeah so the actual FTE like the full-on like event was over the space of about a month of working this job when like you know the first few weeks were somewhat hype because you know it's a new job and you know I'm getting paid and I was getting paid weekly and everything so it's really nice I'm getting paid like 250 pounds a week and stuff and you know I can spend it on weed and like I, I can buy food and everything and there was a point then when I really wanted to leave the job and I really wanted to like go part-time so that I had more time to focus on my application to the RAF. And I remember just like thinking like, it kind of felt like I had two jobs in a business and everything, I really started to feel overworked and I was like breaking down. And it was just that particular story that I've told where I would, I would try and like just maximize my time in work. I became really good at the, the job. I remember they literally like Like they were almost thrown back with how good I was at like the call handling. Like I just picked it up very quickly, and it was like there was always like this big tracker of like how many calls you had like picked up and like directed the complaints handlers. And average was like 50, and on like the last day that I went, it was like for me it was like 100 and something because I was just fucking breezy with it. I learned how to do it fast, you know, be efficient. I would, like, eat my sandwiches on my fucking shift so that I just had more time on lunch so I could just go back to the gym because I just, like, I wanted to do something with my fucking life. I didn't want to sit around, no offence to them, but I didn't want to sit around and just, like, talk over lunch. I wanted to just fucking grow and make some progress. And then it just used to sadden me because it'd be, like, 6.30 and and I just, I knew what would happen as soon as I would get home. It's just like, okay, we're going to smoke weed and then get food and then go to sleep and then repeat it tomorrow and like my bank balance wasn't growing month to month there was no escape from this this is like a very like young immature dumbass version of the life that so so many middle aged people live the only difference is that theirs is more mature in the sense that they've got children and that's like the main bill that they have to pay but there's like no progress month to month in terms of like the job for this and on the the walk back so, at like 6:30 and walk into this tram, I, this is like, it's kind of insignificant, but like, you just kind of understand it. It's like, I could just about get like the early tram if I fucking speed walked to where it was about like one and a half miles away. If I speed walked to the point that my shins would fucking hurt, I could get it and I'd save 12 minutes. That felt so fucking important to get to, so that so many times I'd give myself shin splints, and there was a bunch of times where like I didn't make it. There was a bunch of times where I got so close, I could see the trauma. I was so close to it, and like you know, it was that thing of like, wait, should I should I run? But it's embarrassing, and you know all this bullshit, and that missing it would be the longest twelve minutes of my life, where it's like it's dark, it's cold, it's raining, it's like almost it's like seven p.m. now, and I'm just thinking like, bro, I'm gonna get home and like you know get changed, have a shower. It's gonna be like half seven. I'm going to have, like, an hour and something. I'm going to be able to eat. And then just pretty much do nothing, like, just smoke. (laughs) And I remember there was multiple days when I would take that tram, get off at the tram stop near the apartment, and then walk through. There was, like, this shortcut bit that was all dark. And... At this point, like if anyone, there's usually you no know, what like not that many people going through. It, but if anyone was walking through that shortcut bit, like everyone would just go through like the actual streets and everything. But you could go through like this construction site and you know like get through this gate and everything, and you'd save a few minutes. And like it's really interesting in it. I would rather do that, go through pitch but dark construction site and all this like mud and everything to save a few minutes than just go around like the actual roads and stuff, because you know I wanted to get some fucking times to myself and there was this bit when you it's pitch black so you need to get your, like, your phone light on and I just got into the habit of like not even turning it on and just blindly walking forward whilst just tearing up and just like literally crying and like <sighs> but I hate my life I truly truly fucking hate my life that was like the moment for me where I was like like fuck this this was my FTE Was this was my fuck this event Like what was I doing with my life? Why was I just complacent here? I was allowing my life to stay completely stationary Because I was working a job that was taking all of my time and my brain power and then outside of that, I was spending all the money that I could have like, you know, potentially been saving and stuff, but it's it kind of like you know, someone can reply and say, Oh, but you should have saved that money and you would have made the, the truth is, bro, I, I could have saved a few hundred pounds a month if I didn't spend it on like weed and food and you know snacks and you know like stuff that kind of made it a bit nicer. I could have saved a few that that's like it's so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. It's like when you work a job that you hate, you have to have like some of those like luxuries, like, you know, some of those like feel good purchases. And that's really like that's the true cost of a shitty job is that not only, you know, is it shitty and your wages low and everything, but your life is so bad that you have to kind of spend that money that, that you're not even making enough of just to kind of like give yourself little like bursts of like pleasure because you don't get enough in your normal day to day life. I was in, like, I didn't have family at this point. I hadn't spoken to my family for months. It was just me and this girl. I had no friends. I had, you know, people in work and stuff, but like, I wouldn't be seeing them outside of work. I had no friends. I was so like insecure, and it was so weird because I was in love, and I still do love that girl that I was living with, but our relationship was just so like just so bad and so toxic and it started off on like such a weird footing where we just used to like hook up and it was so incredibly toxic where like i was like you know that the alpha chad and like she saw me just get with so many other girls and she always kind of stayed around like she was the girl who really proved the red pill right and it took me like years to realize like no offense to her the reason why she kind of proved it right was just because she was like the female equivalent of like the male red pill degenerates and so of course it like worked on her And because of all that as well, it was like, there was no level of like trust between us. There was like a level of like, you know, attachment and everything and like comfort and everything, but there was no trust. And so another thing that would always like hurt me was always of the possibility of like her like cheating and... It was one of the weird things as well like when I would be walking back in that darkness and the apartment was right there. That I would always be trying to like look through the windows a little Obviously it's ages where you can't like look through the window properly. But you know you'd just be like proper looking through the window just trying to see like is she getting fucked right now. And I know that sounds kind of silly and like funny but like I want you to really think like I wasn't doing it for a joke. Like, I didn't have any like do you know what I mean this was a dark part of my life man. <laughs> But looking back at this now, like, I have nothing but gratitude for that time of my life. I said this in, I think I said this in, like, an Instagram story once recently. If it wasn't this bad, I would have been complacent. Like, you can see there's a weird value to suffering and there's weird values of things actually being, like, damn bad. Because if this job was a little bit better... If I finished an hour earlier and I had enough time to, like, kind of chill, if I had, like, one good friend in, in that job, I would have stayed complacent all this time. Like, I would have probably never made this YouTube channel. And I would have, if I made a little bit more, I would have had, like, a good enough life, you know, to get a car and I might have been able to get my own place and I would have, like, you know, felt like a, like, a, like a normal person and everything. I would have been happy. This is why you often don't see... You know, those people who have just always been kind of like average and slightly above average. You don't often see them get into self-improvement. You don't often see those guys get like absolutely jacked. It's always the fucking underdog who gets onto self improvements. It's always the underdog who surprises everyone because he was skinny fat first and now he's fucking jacked. Because life was bad enough to not stay complacent. So if you're going through some tough shit, I've said this before, like good. If you're suffering, good. I hope you suffer more. And again, I say that out of love. You've got to understand that male life is all about suffering and then choosing to be bitter or to be better from it. And so many guys are choosing to be bitter. This is the message you've been waiting for right now, that that sucky thing in your life, you better have some good levels of gratitude for it because if you don't, you're not going to grow and you're going to look back to this time with so much regret and think like there was no profit from that. If you have the right mindset, if you have that feeling of gratitude and like, like the positive thoughts, you'll, you'll look back to all those times that you've suffered and you'll be like, I'm so fucking glad that that happened to me. I don't really want it to happen, but I'm so glad of the growth that I forced the world to give me afterwards. That's my FTE. And I'm really interested if you've watched all the way through, let me know and like go to the comments. Tell me your story what's your FTE, your fuck this event? What was the moment in your life where you truly just thought like, man, fuck this. I'm doing something with my life. I think I'm, I'm kind of interested because I want to scroll through the comments. I'm kind of thinking that a lot of it would be related to dating and like maybe a breakup or something. Or I think the two things would just be like dating and just like wealth, like money, jobs or something. I'm interested to see. Do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. Mwah.